0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you for tuning in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. And today is Thursday, July 29th, and this next hour we study the inspired and true Word of God and put on our Christ goggles in Nehemiah chapter 12. We continue With many names. So, for your entertainment, but also as we mentioned yesterday with Pastor Lesh, the importance of each one of our names, not only that we've been named that way, but that our Lord knows us by name. And today, with careful organization, the priests and Levites lead God's people in worship and the dedication of the wall, the wall that has been a major component, major part of this text. And also, now that it has been finished, it's just like when you have a dedication for a building, um, the, for our churches and schools and stadiums and everything. It's a time of celebration. But for the believers, it's a time of celebration of God's grace, providence, and help throughout the years. That is the time where we hear today these words, which I think should be our own battle cry. The joy of Jerusalem was heard far away, and may we have that same joy today. The gifts are ready, ready for you. Thy Strong Word is generously underwritten um, by our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we welcome with us Reverend Dr. Michael Morehouse of Catalina Lutheran Church in Tucson, Arizona. Pastor Morehouse, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you, Pastor Finner, and uh, blessed day to you. You as well. You as well. Pastor Morehouse, it is, it is great to have you on. I know you've been on KFUO before. You've been on Thy Strong Word before. Uh, but this is our first time together, so I'm excited to hear about yourself, if you could introduce yourself, your family, and the work of the saints at Catalina Lutheran Church.
1: Well, thank you for the opportunity. I've been at uh, Catalina Lutheran uh, 23 years now in my 24th year. My wife and I have been married 43 and a half years. We've been blessed with three sons, uh, two by birth, one by adoption, and then a fourth son who adopted us plus other families that we've hosted over the years. Um, mm-hmm. That's been a wonderful joy for us. Our congregation here has grown in grace and God's word. Um, we've been a vicarage congregation full time for we're now on our sixth vicar. And uh, our congregation has come through this last year and a half and uh, had a wonderful VBS remembrance on uh, last Sunday, St. James. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. As we went mm-hmm. through all the VBSs from eighty two on her founding on till today. And then on the 8th, we're looking forward to Rally Day and inducting our next vicar.
0: You know, Pastor, as you say that, you know, we have new listeners all the time. And I can just say the word vicar, like no big deal. But I remember when I was on Vicarage, I would introduce myself to other churches and they're like, wait, is your name Victor? What? what who are you? What's going on? And so tell us what, explain to us what a vicar is.
1: The vicar is a, a third year usually a third year seminary student uh, from one of our two seminaries in the United States or perhaps from uh, our sister seminaries up in uh, Canada. They are have completed two years of seminary studies usually residence and then they come out to the to a congregation somewhere. Uh, in the u.s or canada sometimes in uh, other lands uh, they spend a year with the congregation putting into practice that which they've learned it's kind of like an internship for uh, a, an md a doctor a medical doctor uh, mm. uh, except that at the end of their vicarage year should they pass um, then they go back to the seminary for their fourth year in normal orders there are some delayed vicars but a vicar simply means representative of and so mm-hmm. he's essentially representative of the pastor he's not called, he's not ordained, he's not installed, we call it inducted. So he's placed in, has a semi-official position. Everybody knows he's a student, but he does get to do visitations. Uh, He reads sermons that he's prepared under the pastor's supervision, teaches Bible classes under the pastor's supervision, and so forth.
0: That is a great... um... Uh, a great introduction to that, an explanation. Actually, that's a, a phenomenal one. One of my professors at seminary said, you guys get to play pastor without being a pastor. Is kind of how he said yeah. it. That's probably not as good as what you just said.
1: <laughs> so, well, my it was, way of saying is that it's, it's an, a year of indentured servitude. But <laughs> 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 but oh, that's very really that. good. Pastoral formation, and they learn to work with uh, different age groups and different types of people, and it's been a blessing to this congregation. And according to the men that have served here, uh, it's been a blessing to them. We have former vicars uh, and summer vicars serving in Minnesota, California, Kansas, Missouri, uh, Utah, just and Arizona
0: thank you, thank you for that 's a good reminder of how the church expands beyond where we are that sometimes you're equipping your you're, um, you're, you're uh, helping your 're helping the church at large with something like the vicarage program and and pastor, this is another aspect I want to have you highlight a little bit as you served in our military um, served overseas as well and you've been part of a group. Um, called Operation Barnabas. And this is an important work that we do in the Senate and in the church. So can you explain that a little bit, how your church is involved in Operation Barnabas?
1: Certainly. Uh, Operation Barnabas uh, was started after I had come back from Iraq by a couple of very caring, loving uh, pastors that were also military chaplains. They invited several of us to be part of the initial stages. Uh, It started out... um, right after they started providing care to those of us who were uh, chaplains involved in the the combat arena to come back and help us uh, readjust to society. So now it's grown to the point where it's uh, national. Uh, We have chapters in most states. Chapter is basically a congregation or a group of congregations that work together to provide support for military connected people. So not just service members, not just veterans, uh, but also their families and those who also, such as contractors, may have been involved in situations where somewhat, which are somewhat stressful. Uh, chapters are really big in the Midwest, in Iowa area, for example. We have a, a former chaplain, the spark plug, there working on those. Down here in Arizona, where uh, our congregation has supported uh, veterans in the Tucson area. Uh, We just celebrated our 10th anniversary, uh, which helped uh, hundreds uh, if not thousands of people uh, through our attendance at Stand Downs, which is an opportunity for veterans, whether they're homeless or or they have homes, to come together to receive uh, basic care like dental needs. We provide Bibles, glasses, um, cookies, which are very popular among them, clothing and stuff like that. Those used to happen twice a year, and they're getting ready to start up another one uh, this August after having uh, a difficult year last year. Uh, to provide services. And it's a volunteer organization. It's national. Um, Our Ministry to Armed Forces for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, which is supported wholly by member and friend donations, not out of the general fund of the Synod, is the oversight agency for Operation Barnabas, which is fully volunteer. 100% of what we receive goes out to serve uh, military-connected people.
0: And and this is a reminder to you, our listeners, that to pray for Operation Barnabas, find out. You can look on our the website for the LCMS, just look up Operation Barnabas. Even easier, go to Google and just put Operation Barnabas, LCMS. You'll be able to find more information on that. Just a reminder for us, we have many LCMS chaplains um, who serve our military and ex uh chaplains who obviously still need care as well. And obviously our men and women who currently serve. So all of that, keep that in your prayers and especially. What's happening in Tucson and around uh, that area. So, today, Pastor, we're here to study the Word of God. So, can you begin our time in prayer? Sure, let us pray.
1: Lord God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that throughout the ages you provided the opportunities and the means for people to receive your forgiveness, your life, and your salvation in the Old Covenant through the sacrifices of the temple and the new covenant and the era in which we live to the sacrifice of your only begotten son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Send your Holy Spirit upon us this day as we delve into your word, open our hearts and minds to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the truths that are contained therein. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, Pastor, as we are in Nehemiah chapter 12, I've I've said this at every program, is Nehemiah is one of those books that you've heard of it, you've connected it maybe to Ezra. We don't, you know, every book has a context, it has a background. It's been just a phenomenal ride of God's grace and and His providence and working within different um, realms of order, I think that we'll highlight again today. There's so many themes, and obviously is all encompassed in God's grace, and as you said in your prayer, um, the forgiveness that our Lord has given to us. And so what highlights do you have throughout the book, or maybe right prior to this, that will help us start off on the right foot this morning?
1: Well, as we look at chapter 12, which is towards the end of Ezra and Nehemiah, which for many centuries was seen as one book, uh, we see God providing with actual names through an actual historical record of the individuals, the priests in particular, uh, and those who are from the Levites, the singers, to provide for ongoing liturgical, that is public orders of service, worship with music, that the people might be sure that they have not just the outward show and ceremony, but the actual rights, and um, means of grace in the Old Testament to know that their sins are actually forgiven by God through that which he has appointed. It shows uh, that God is a God of order, and it shows us that uh, the Lord is the one who sees where his temple is placed, that he will put a, a wall about it, and that his people will respond in thanksgiving as he watches over them as they receive his gifts of grace.
0: Well, thank you, you know, and that's a, a great way to, uh, to place it. I really like how you said that, is that they would know that they are forgiven by the grace of God, and they could see it, they could see the wall, they could see the temple, and they could totally understand um, why they're able to have this moment of the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. This is why they had joy um, that was there, because of the grace of God. Is that how you're kind of saying that? that yeah, that's a good summary. I used a lot. Yeah, more words yeah.
1: Here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's totally fine. You know, it's probably probably better to use more words because I try to keep it way too simple at times. But it, that's exactly how we encompass Nehemiah is this understanding of they're able to know of God's grace and they're able to 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 see it at work. And we continually like they hear the word of God and they're like, "Wow, this is great. We're going to do this," and they recommit. But the whole time, it's all covered by God's grace. I'm I'm just excited how you put that, because that helps me understand even better as I've been flowing through. Anything else you want to highlight before we begin?
1: Well, as we look at chapter 12, we might want to, and this is no thus says the Lord, look at it maybe as divided into three sections, uh, mm-hmm. verses 1 through 26, which basically lists the resources for providing for the worship and the dedication of the wall. Then uh, verses 27 uh, through 43, which is the actual dedication of the wall, and then 44 through 47, which provides uh, the regulations for the offerings and the services. And again, that's just a way to divide this. Um, I'm willing to go with whatever section you want to, or however you would like to divide it up in your reading. I thank you for doing the readings because as I heard you say <laughs> yesterday, make the names bold and make them loud and everybody will think that's the way it was meant to be. <laughs> also, over all of this, we should remember that um, this is the writing of Nehemiah, who is a governor. And this chapter is the one that actually ties him to the governorship of Zerubbabel. Uh, and it's the only chapter that ties those two governorships together. Zerubbabel, if the uh, hearers will remember, uh, was the one that was privileged to oversee the construction, reconstruction of the temple. Now mm-hmm. Nehemiah is the one who oversees the reconstruction of the wall. And gets to have everything tied together, uh, that God's means of grace would be uh, provided. And it also gives us a reminder that uh, Nehemiah, whose name likely means the Lord comforts, is bringing good words of comfort through this, this chapter.
0: Yeah, well, let's get into this wonderful words of comfort and the connection with so many different aspects of God's work at that time, and obviously it connects us to His work today. So let's begin. Uh, let's open up our Bibles and Nehemiah chapter twelve. And reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of the Holy Scripture. So we'll start in the verse, <laughs> the first. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, one we're going to look at here, verse seven verses, partly because, as Pastor said. I got to get all these words in and take a little break in between. So uh, there's a lot of things we can do here, but just trying to go through it a little bit slower and get these words. Once again, Nehemiah chapter 12. These are the priests and the Levites who came up with Zerubbabel, the son of Sheetal, and Jeshua, Sariah, Jeremiah, Ezra, Am- Amariah, Malach, Hattush, Shechaniah, Rehum, Merimoth, Edo, Ginnatho, Abijah, Mijaman, Mahadiah, Bilga, Shemaiah, Jorib, Jediah, Salu, Amok, Helkiah, Jediah. These were the chief priests and the brothers in the days of Jeshua. Now yeah, that was we don't a good have way to divide that up, subdivide yeah, that. Yeah, so it's
1: that, a ahead. historical look back. Go
0: ahead. So, as we look at those first seven verses, what do you do? You have anything in these verses?
1: Well, yes. Um, it appears that we have twenty-two priestly family leaders uh, who had come mm-hmm. up with Zerubbabel about a hundred years earlier. For those who like parallels, which is the way we tend to do our Bible tech studies here, uh, which mm-hmm. we probably won't do now because we have such um, an amount to cover, it would be Ezra two two. Uh, yep, these okay. are these. Family uh, leaders are the ones who, when you study chapter 10, um, verses 2 through 8, were among the signers of the covenant. So you have a historical look back of these 22 families, and there may be, and I and I stress the may, be some um, remembrance of David and the time of the temple. After as he was preparing uh, the tabernacle into the temple for construction for uh, Solomon to set up, that he, would, mm. that he had 24 temple service divisions established. So in Nehemiah, we have 22, and David we have, uh, in David's time, we have uh, 24. Um, mm. And perhaps the point of the list is to show that uh, the city was actually able to support the temple, the priests, the Levites, and the liturgical worship, that was necessary under the old covenant for God's people to receive his gifts of forgiveness. Um, The setup shows God's gracious provision. uh, And and yes, there's a list of names, but these are real people that were in real time that God brought to a real place that his uh, people might be served his gifts. In addition, according to the uh, the listing here we have in, in verse four, as, you, we most of us number it Abijah and um, his name will come up again in the New Testament era as uh, Zechariah um, the father of John the baptizing one um, that's right comes from his line.
0: Oh that's a great connection and that's something I was reading as well that although the names can be overwhelming and I think you've said it well too at your own congregation pastor that you're going through Ezra at this time, am I correct?
1: We just finished Ezra, and now we're starting nice. Nehemiah chapter, uh, Introduction in Chapter 1 today. It takes oh, us wow. months into years to get <laughs> through one of these books. <laughs> I think the first book I studied with them was John, and it took us six years of an hour and a half every Wednesday to get through that book.
0: Wow, that is that is so great, because it reminds us, and this is something I've said uh, here, and you're you're taking it to a new level that maybe we all should take it to is a lot of times when we read the Bible, we need to slow down and to be able to just take in what's there. Don't get into this habit of thinking I need to get through three chapters a day in order to read the Bible in a year so I can tell people I got done in a year. It's okay. Well, I've never done this six years in one book, (laughs) but it is a sign of showing that there are little gems, as you said about Abijah, that this connects us to the New Testament. And if you just look at Zechariah and that story and John the Baptist, Lord, we see it all come together that the Lord has brought it together for us to see Christ as we put on our, Christ goggles. So thank you for that holly, Pastor. But we don't have six years; we only have an hour here. So we should <laughs> <Right>. keep going. <laughs> so because I'm going to do we this.
1: Yesterday is like, yeah. Well, we'll get it done, but it won't be like uh, we're used to here. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's right. That's right. So I'm gonna. I'm just gonna plow through all the way to verse 26. As we hear of the people, I would say the people power that the Lord brought in good order for the sake of His kingdom. Verses verse eight through 26. And the Levites, Jeshua, Benui, Cadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and Mattaniah, who with his brothers was in charge of the songs of thanksgiving. And Bakbukiah and Unai and their brothers stood opposite them in the service. And Jeshua was a father of Joachim, Joachim the father Eliashib, Eliashib the father of Joiada, and Joiada the father of Jonathan, and Jonathan the father of Jedua. In the days of Joachim were priests, heads of fathers houses of Sariah, Saria, Moriah, and of Jeremiah, Hananiah, of Ezra, Meshullam and Amariah, Jehonanan and of Malak, Malachi, Jonathan of Shabana, Shabania, Joseph of Haram, Adna, of Meroth, Halki, of Edo, Zechariah, of Genathon, Meshullam. And Abijah, Zechri of Minimum, of Modiah, Piltai of Bilgah, Shamua of Shemaiah, Jehonathan of Joreb, Mattani of Jediah, Uzai of Salai, Kali of Amok, Ebar, of Hikaya, Hashabiah, and Jediah, Nethanel. In the days of Eliashib, Joyada, Jonanan, and Judah, And Levites were recorded as heads of fathers' houses, so too were the priests of the reign of Darius the Persian. And as soon as Levi, their heads of fathers' houses, were written in the book of the Chronicles, until the days of Jehonan, the son of Eliashib, and the chiefs of the Levites, Hashabiah, Sherabiah, and Jeshua, the son of Cadmiel, with their brothers who stood opposite them, to praise and to give thanks according to the commandment of David, the man of God. Watch, Man of God, watch by watch. Mataniah, Bacubukiah, Bacub, Bacub, Abadiah, Obadiah, Meshulam, Talman, and Akub were gatekeepers standing guard at the storehouses of the gates. These were the days of Joachim, the son of Jeshua, son of Josadak and in the days of Nehemiah, the governor of Ezra, the priest, and scribe. Pastor, as you said, a lot of names, a lot of information. What do you have to highlight? (laughs)
1: um, Just looking through this, what we see overall is that it's giving a genealogy. It's giving a descent. And we know in the New Covenant, in the New Testament text, uh, we're told not to spend time in useless genealogies. Well, these in the Old Covenant, in terms of establishing temple worship, uh, we're not useless genealogies. What they are is proving to those who would have heard these texts read, because that was the general means of transmission back then, that as they heard what you just read, they would go, okay, that person, that man that's standing in the temple services actually correctly in the line all the way back to where he it needs to be from David's time uh, and then back to Moses and Aaron so that they would have had the correct priestly line so that they would be assured that they were following God's uh, order for establishing the worship, and that, again, these men were rightly called, we would say it, and rightly placed into an office to provide mm. the services that were needed by God's people for their forgiveness. So in the Old Covenant, you have these genealogies, in particular in this area, that shows a ongoing continuity uh, of the, the the means of grace and its administration uh, that can be traced all the way back so that the people have a surety for us in the new covenant era we trace our genealogy back to um, our back through our baptism to the son of God uh, Jesus Christ our lord uh, he is uh, the author and perfecter of the faith he is our not only our elder brother but he is also the creator word that gives with the Spirit and the Father life to us. So we don't run our genealogies backwards uh, in terms of even you and I in the office of Holy Ministry. While it might be fun to do that, to trace ourselves all the way back to Peter and Paul, it most certainly in the New Testament is not absolutely necessary or essential for us to do that.
0: Because it all comes back to Christ. Is that kind of how we would say it? That this it comes from, it flows from Christ, as opposed to a perfect lin, a lineage or genealogy.
1: Correct. And thanks be to God, because so much history has intervened between those eras, and so many times has that uh, temple been destroyed. And especially uh, after eighty seventy, and then AD 136 mm-hmm. to one thirty nine, a lot of le- uh, records were lost. Again, we had records lost in the, in the dark ages, so for us to trace back uh, would be extremely difficult, and that would leave a sense of uncertainty in the minds of, and hearts of our hearers, and they should never have that. They should know that when the church calls a man in our day and age, when it's ratified by the uh, other pastors in a given area, the hands are laid upon, that that man is in the correct line, the line of Christ, in the office that Christ established.
0: And here here's a here's a thought I have because I really like how you highlighted that because God put people in the right office to assure that people are ke- that they're receiving the gifts of Christ that they're assured of their forgiveness and and keeping their their eyes on on the Lord which is exactly why we have pastors and why we have churches and I, I compared this list to something I'm, I'm from a small town I grew up in Wadena Minnesota and it's about 4,000 people in that town and my dad grew up in a town of a very he had graduated 12 kids in his class and my mom grew up in a, a town of 80 kids in her graduating class so we're all from small towns and the great sure. thing is when coming back to Minnesota, you have these moments where you'll meet somebody and go, hey, you're from that area. What's your last name? Or what's your maiden name? And boom, all of a sudden, the, the lineages start flowing out. Oh, you're a Kramer. Oh, you're a Finner. Oh, you're this or you're this. And all of a sudden, you're connecting the dots. And that's how we envision when people read this during this time period, that they were connecting the dots to be able to say, oh, they're connected to this, this and that. But it goes so far beyond that. It's not just that your, your dad used to be the guy, his, his parents used to live next door to me and they used to bring me this and do that or was my teacher or whatever it might be. But it connected all these people together so that they're like, oh, yeah, I know them. And then they always pointed it back, especially in this text today, to the Lord about the Lord's order, about the Lord putting these place people in place, and so that the people focus their eyes back on Christ. So that's the kind of way that my mind, it sinks into mine, is you see the connections, but it goes so far beyond, as you said so well, beyond a lineage and connections to Christ once again. Uh, about, about, about a minute here. Have any thoughts on that?
1: I agree with you, um and then I know you got about a minute, so if you look at verse ten, you see basically from Yeshua down to jo- uh down to Jeddu and eleven you have six high priests' names, and that spans the time- from Zerubbabel down to the writing of Nehemiah, so it shows a mm. historical continuity. It also, if you do the, uh, the work as you and I would do as we teach, you see it going from Cyrus all the way down to Darius III. So you have uh, right. these high priests serving during def- different emperors, which again shows that God provided for his people no matter what happened in the civil realm. God was continuing to provide an ongoing continuity of care for his people.
0: And that's something I want to focus on on the other side of our break, how God continually cares for his people as we see to then and how we see it today. But right now we need to take that break. We are studying Nehemiah chapter 12 with Pastor Michael Morehouse, and we'll be right back. USA is the third largest mission field in the world, and church planning is one of the most effective means of making new disciples, new missions to new people and new places. Get ready to plow the fields. Check out the Mission Field USA podcast produced by the LCMS Office of National Mission. You can find it at KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. A folk singer once sang, The answer is blowing in the wind. Nowadays, however, the air is filled with all sorts of contradictory answers blowing around like the debris ball of an Oklahoma twister. Pastor Ken Klaus points to the answers found in the truth of God's reliable and unchanging Word. It's Archives August with Pastor Ken Klaus, this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 1230 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. I'm a better neighbor because my service has taught me how important it is to be a team player. My training helps me in my classes when I give attention to detail to the task at hand. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my country safe from threats. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time by visiting nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association this station. And welcome back. We are studying Nehemiah chapter 12 with Pastor Michael Morehouse of Tucson, Arizona. And and Pastor, as we look at our text today, you said something right before break because you saw the connection of you have the high priest's. But also you have the governors and the overseers, and Nehemiah would be considered a governor as well. But you have different secular um, um, leaders, and even in the midst of that, and we see this in the Babylonian captivity, we see this in the Assyrian um, takeover, we see all of this that God continues to um, keep his people and, and to keep them in his grace during all that time. So I was wondering if you wanted to unpack that a little bit as we continue to look at why that would mean what? Why the dedication of the wall would mean so much to them? Before we get to that, any thoughts on that?
1: Certainly, the uh, the wall itself had been constructed um, prior to the events that are going to be talked about in in a couple of minutes here. Uh, about uh, twenty five October four forty five B C. Uh, that'd be Elul 25 for those who want to know what the Hebrew calendar says. And as Pastor Finern received a picture from a uh, very complicated chart he sent to him yesterday <laughs> from uh, Brother Pastor David Kaiser, well done. Uh, great for teaching class, but doesn't uh, show well over the radio. Uh, the, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the reality is, is that no matter what the world brings in terms of rulers, because you have a big Cyrus. Cambyses, Darius the First. you have uh, Xerxes, you have um, Artaxerxes, Darius II, Artaxerxes II, Artaxerxes III, Arsus, and Darius. All those were rulers of the Medes and Persians during the time God was establishing uh, the opportunity for the people to dedicate the wall and rebuilding the temple. So through all of their rule, and God used those secular uh, rulers and their rules to allow his people to return to the promised land, to rebuild the city and consecrate it soon as a holy city, Uh, all of those things God used in this world to ensure that his people, um, who had repented of their sins, which caused them to go into captivity in the first place, uh, were able to receive his gifts in the place where he appointed them to receive them.
0: And I think this is something one of my members told me, because you, you always go through the election cycle, and this is one of those years where you think, you're think you thankful that there is no election cycle as of right now. But you go through the election cycle, and we were just discussing the importance of voting and so forth in Bible study one time, but not trying to get too deep into the weeds on that. And one of my members, faithful member, she just says, you know what, Pastor, what we have to remember um, is that today the Lord reigns and after Tuesday, the Lord will still reign. And I think that's always a good reminder that that we not only see in our own lives, but we see that in the past here, that God's covenant, the name and the connections that leads from David's lineage all the way to Christ was always faithful, and God made it happen, and so we got to remember that His grace is with us as well. Any last thoughts?
1: Well, following on what you just said there, Pastor Finner, um, we know that uh, in Nehemiah 9, they had a day of repentance, a huge uh, day of repentance, uh, following the Feast of Booze. uh, Prior to all of this, and what uh, several congregations of whom I am aware, including ours, did before the national elections and and then after the um, swearing in of the new government. Uh, at both times, we had services of repentance, forgiveness, and renewal. Um, Liturgical services mm-hmm. outside, um, where we uh, offered up our prayers as incense, accompanied by incense. Again, it was outside um, because we as of the United States tend to put our trust in um, our rulers, our civil rulers, and think if we just get the right government, everything will be fine. Um, when has that ever worked? So anyhow, uh, mm-hmm. following uh, the pattern of the, the scriptures, even from the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, we have uh, the opportunity as pastors and congregations to uh, have services of repentance before we have the ce- services of celebration to remind us exactly of what we deserve, and that despite that, uh, God gives us his gifts and blessings.
0: Well, let's continue to move forward. I love it. We probably could talk another hour just on that point alone. So let's continue on as they dedicate the wall, and we'll just go through verse 27 through 30, because I think there's some points we can make. 27 yep. through 30. And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness, with thanksgivings, and with singing, with cymbals, harps, and lyres. And the sons of the singers gathered together from the district surrounding Jerusalem and from the villages of the Natophonathites, also from Beth Gilgal, From the region of Geba and Asmitheth, and for the singers had built for themselves villages around Jerusalem, and the priests and the Levites purified themselves, and they purified the people and the gates and the wall. So, now we see a finally a dedication of the wall. What happens here in these verses?
1: Uh, this is actually when I teach our Old Testament introduction classes to our Lutheran servanthood school in the Tucson area. So we have lay people mm-hmm. from various congregations gathered together. We we see this as actually one of the theme um, sections of the entire book of uh, Nehemiah, where it speaks of the dedication of that which God had already allowed to be uh, constructed. And I'm probably going to butcher the Hebrew, but uh, it's in the Hanukkah, the wall was Of Jerusalem um, they sought out Uh, so Mm. this is where this word Hanukkah or dedication comes up uh, in Nehemiah and what you have here then is everybody taking their places and they are taking their places according to good order and then they have liturgical worship they have this singing um, accompanied by the musical instruments of the day again in good order then it goes into a little detail to indicate that, oh yeah, they're they're not all living in the inside the wall. They're, they're having to come in from surrounding villages. Uh, the Nithopathites, probably six miles south of Jerusalem, about three and a half miles south of east of Bethlehem, if we've figured out that it, uh, the town that that's in. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you've got uh, the. Uh, Beth Gilgal is probably uh, 17 miles northeast of Jerusalem. So again, considering that that they had to come in uh, from where they had established their homes in the return that had taken begun to take place under the uh, the priest and scribe Ezra, they're coming in and they're coming in to um, celebrate the dedication of the wall. And the first thing they do, remember, they've had the service of repentance already is they purify themselves that is they set themselves up uh and the people and the gates and the walls uh to consecrate that is set aside themselves and the area for um god's services and this ceremonial cleanliness probably they're following the uh the uh the, the rites prescribed in Leviticus 21 Uh, having done all this, they could actually call it, quote, a holy city, quote, close quote.
0: And that's interesting to me, this whole idea of purifying themselves, and then they purified the people. And I don't think we can make a one-to-one with that, but it's just a reminder of the importance of being purified and cleanliness and all the like. And that's kind of hard for us to understand. Is there any any insights you have on that, what that meant for them, and I guess what it might mean for us?
1: For them, it was was more than a washing of the dirt from the body, but it is actually uh, called for a re- renewal of heart, mind, and soul. For us, the equivalent would be uh, holy baptism. It's not just washing with water, but it's water mm-hmm. combined with the Word that brings us forgiveness and uh, grants us the name of Christ. So a, a New Testament tied to this concept of the purification, the ceremonial cleansing— is the actual cleansing of body, mind, and spirit that takes place through the Word. And remember, even when they went, we we all remember, that when they went through the rites of cleansing and the rites of purification, it was always done with the Word, the Word of God.
0: Mm, mm -hmm.
1: So you have your Old Testament New Testament tie. I like to think of it this way liturgically. So um, when the divine service is taking place, Um, Most of our churches, when they're having a full Lord's service with the Lord's Supper as part of that, uh, after the invocation, then there's a confession, and then a public confession, a public absolution. Um, The pastor, uh, following good order, is actually confessing his sins at the same time everybody else is, and then when he absolves in the stead and by the command of Christ, it's Christ speaking through him who actually absolves him and the people. So you have the one standing in the office being uh, confessing his sins and receiving Christ's forgiveness, and then you have the people receive, confessing their sins and receiving Christ's forgiveness through the mouth of the same man. That would be what I see as the New Testament equivalent of what they're doing here, a reminder of what God has done for them.
0: What a what a great reminder for us. One, cleansed in baptism, two, cleansed and purified when we go and receive the gifts of Christ in worship. Even for us pastors who are standing in the front. That is a great reminder for us. Now What that leads to is is really kind of fun. Um, A lot of words, a lot of names again, but really fun to see how this turns out from receiving this purification and also what it leads to us, which is joy. So I will continue 31 through 43. Then I brought the leaders of Judah up into the wall and appointed two great choirs and gave thanks. One went to the south on the wall to the Dung Gate. And after them went Hoshaiah. And half of the leaders of Judah, and Azariah, Ezra, Meshullam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemiah, and Jeremiah, and certain of the priest's sons with trumpets, Zechariah the son of Jonathan, son of Shemiah, son of Mataniah, son of Micaiah, son of Zakur, son of Asaph, and his relatives, Shemaiah, Azarel, Milai, Gilai, Maai. Nethanel, Judah, and Hanani, Hanani, with the musical instruments of David, the man of God. And Ezra the scribe went before them. At the fountain gate they went up straight before them by the stairs of the city of David, at the ascent of the wall above the house of David to the water gate on the east. The other choir of those who gave thanks went to the north, and I followed them with half of the people on the wall above the tower of the ovens, to the broad wall, and above the gate of Ephraim, and the gate of Yeshanah, and by the fish gate, and the tower of Hananel, and the tower of the hundred, to the sheep gate. And they came to a halt at the gate of the guard. So both choirs of those who gave thanks stood in the house of God, and I and half of the officials with me. And the priest Eliakim, Maaseiah, Minamin. Micaiah, Eliani, Zechariah, and Hananiah with trumpets, and Messiah, Shemaiah, Eleazar, Uzziah, Jehohan, Malkijah, Elam, and Ezer. And the singers sang with Jezariah as their leader. And they offered great sacrifices that day and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and children also rejoiced. And the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. Now, for me, when I hear these words, Pastor, I love focusing at the end where it brings all this joy. But there's so much organization and order and everything that comes together before this joy is, I guess, proclaimed and, and heard around the around the area. So what what's the order and what are they telling us here?
1: So... In terms of temporal worship, you had the professionals among the Levite class that were the musicians, but here, uh, this is a huge community-wide celebration, including the women and the children, so everybody's offering uh, thanks and praise for the completion and the dedication of everything was done. And the way they accomplished this was to have two processions. Again, in many of our congregations, there will be an entrance procession uh, where the pastor and his attendants, perhaps with a crucifix, with the Bible in some places, with the gifts, will proceed from the uh, liturgical west of the church down through the center of the congregation to the the steps of the chancel. You have the concept of, of God's going to enter into among his people and that these people are uh, attending him. And you have two processions taking place. One runs in a co- clockwise and the other one runs counterclockwise uh, to the point where they even go up the steps and around the wall. And what, what people don't think of is that this wall, it places was nine feet wide. So it was plenty wide enough to aco- accommodate them. Again, the ceremonies uh, are tying the uh, dedication of the wall to the services that are taking place in the temple so you move from outside the the service if you will into the place of service to the temple same as when we have an entrance rite in in the divine services in the new testament
0: and that is that is interesting and and, and to to know that they knew the order and they had the right people. They had people that had their vocations. We talked a lot about that yesterday. They had their place. They had their, uh, you know, Asaph. We even hear about today as well. That that these were people that were placed there. God had given them special gifts and all of it for the sake of, of uh, entering in the right way and proclaiming the Lord in the right way. And at the very end, it says... They rejoice with great joy. I mean, this is, uh, you see this a lot in the New Testament of uh, rejoice, uh, rejoice, again, I will say rejoice, a language, where it's not just joy, but it's above that joy and is being heard beyond Jerusalem. So what are your thoughts on on the joy that they proclaim here, the joy they have?
1: Their their joy is based on the gifts that God has promised to give to them, and now they're seeing it completed in time. This is an actual historical event. And their response is one that wants to declare it to the whole world if they could. Uh, They didn't have uh, cell phones or some, you know, you didn't have 5,500 people recording on their smartphones this event. So you have this recorded and you have it uh, witnessed by those who are in the area and in the surrounding area of the wonders that God has done. And he has done it with his priests, with his Levites, and with his people, all following in the orders that God has called them to be. It's kind of like Ephesians 4 in terms of God giving uh, gifts to the church, and these gifts come in various ways. You, have, you pastor, have different skills, sur- surely, than I do. Yes, we have some overlapping because we're in the office mm-hmm. of the ministry, but you have areas which you, in which you are more specialized than I am, and we share these gifts. And that's one of the reasons why um, I mentioned it earlier. Uh, a, a fellow pastor, a brother pastor, one of my classmates sent me a wonderful chart that sums up the the, the mm. Old Testament church year, and I just sent it to you without even an explanation. So I got the question mark back from you, and then told you what it was. <laughs> <laughs> we share these gifts because we we we've received them from God, and we want everybody to hear about it.
0: Right. We can't do it all on our own is a very—and that's one of the things I think we learn here on KFUO is we have pastors from across the country, even around the world, that to be able to—I'll read the text, I'll look at the text, I'll study the text, and then um, they will catch a gem like you are today that's like—it opens it up even more. It's not that like— one of the pastors knows a whole lot more than the other. Sometimes that's the case. Um, but you you open it up even more to understand, like you did with that chart. Uh, Pastor Morehouse sent me a text yesterday with the chart of the Old Testament seasons. And it was like, it, it opens it up in a whole new way. A chart that I probably would never be able to put together, um, but is definitely good for the church. And for me, there was great joy. I don't think people heard my joy across the city, um, but there definitely <laughs> was great joy to be able to see that. So, Pastor, we have right. about... Um, <laughs> so, we have about eight minutes left here, and I want to finish okay. these verses so we can wrap everything together. So, verses 44 through 47. On that day, men were appointed over the storerooms, the contributions, the first fruits, and the tithes to gather into them the portion required by the law for the priests and for the Levites according to the fields of the towns. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. And they performed the service of their God and the service of purification, as did the singers and the gatekeepers, according to the command of David and his son Solomon. For long ago in the days of David and Asaph, there were directors of the singers, and there were songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and the days of Nehemiah gave the daily portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, and they set apart that which was for the Levites, And the Levites set apart that which was for the sons of Aaron. So now we we learn more about the service of the temple. We've seen the joy. Now they kind of once again show us the order, not only of, okay, this was their job, but also how they cared for one another to assure that the gifts were continued to be given. What do you have in these verses?
1: Well, and following on that, they gave it, and they continue to give it with a cheerful heart. And in the New Testament, um, the Lord through the apostle calls us to give with a cheerful heart on the first day of, w- of the week, each person decide what to give and give from a cheerful heart. They gave for the support, the people in Judah, which is essentially what's being restored here, the Southern kingdom uh, under the auspices of the, the emperors of the Medes and the Persians, they they gave with joy because of that, which these men in particular, the the, the singers, the Levites, the priests were doing in, there, in the said and by the command of God For the benefit of the people So they provided mm. that which was required For the provisions of We would say in this day, the pastors And I'm thankful, and I'm sure you are For the congregation to whom I serve Christ And that they have done a good job Of taking care of their pastor uh, mm. Our assistant pastors when we had them Our vicars Our uh, other professional church workers In a way that is done not grudgingly Um, But because they treasure that which we in our vocations are to do, that frees them to do their vocations in this world. So you have this this order established for the maintenance of not just this one day of joy. I mean, God willing, we will be dedicating a new church building uh, on Easter Sunday in 2024 here. But we're in the process through that. Uh, but we don't intend on dedicating it with a wonderful service and then not having any services after that. (laughs) We're looking at providing for the ongoing um, maintenance of the ministry and the work in the community and the building and the grounds itself as we plan the building. And that's exactly what these people were doing. They were showing their thanks to God for providing them all the gifts. And you go all the way back to Ezra with all the stuff that he was all, all, the, all the silver, all the, the animals and stuff he was allowed to bring back to the Promised Land to establish it for this for services just like this, and and so we give thanks to God that this order is established and that it is carried into the New Testament, and again to give with joy from the gifts that we have received.
0: Now, as we look at this too, I, I've been struck very much so by the music and the song that is is promoted, the multiple choirs. I mean, it's kind of like you're a lot of times I remember growing up when there was a dedication or you had, you know, you had your guest preacher and then you had the choir would sing certain um um songs and and you'd see this on Easter and Christmas. My mom's an organist and so I was always up I was a balcony kid I was always up in the balcony with the the choir and everything else so you you knew that today was a big day because a choir was there and so I just fascinated by the connection of music and the joy and any thoughts on, on those connections and the importance of that for them and also for us
1: Well that was something that they would have been accustomed to before the temple was destroyed that at the major high feast you would have all these elements of worship coming together to resound in ear and then from ear to heart and heart to mind and then mind to lips and into life of of the glory of god that was amongst them and within our lutheran tradition um it's a 500th year for a fellow by the name of michael pretorius both his birth and his death um, when he began writing music for the evangelical churches which we call lutheran churches he was accustomed to using um, multiple choirs brass choir wind uh wood choir strings um, singers uh children and adults uh for the major feast uh, to 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 give a sense of the power and majesty of that which was taking place and i, I think it's interesting pastor finner that you mentioned the high feast you know christmas and easter pentecost mm-hmm. uh, ascension those kind of uh epiphany those feasts are are the feasts major feasts of Christ in our era, and those are the ones that we with our church musicians who actually, for most pastors, if they're honest, and Frank, are our right hands. In fact, if the musician and the pastor can't see each other, that can cause some real, during the service, that that can cause some real um, hiccups in the order of service. And uh, having been through the planning on a new building to ensure that in both the chapel and in the the, um, main section of the church, the nave, uh, that that there's a good line of sight between the musician and the pastor. This is what, uh, you know, all flows from this Old Covenant worship. Of course, we're not doing it to earn the forgiveness of sins. We're doing it as response to what God has given to us.
0: And that is a, a another reminder. I, I mentioned this yesterday with Pastor Lash, but just a reminder to, um, first of all, give thanks for those who Uh, think about those things when you're building a church. And how can we make sure that there's a connection with the musician and the pastor, um, that there's as little distractions as possible in that worship setting. And I think that's one of the main themes that I've caught throughout Nehemiah, that there's an order to make sure people are centered on the Lord and his gifts. And we see that in our churches today. Pray for our musicians, pray for our pastors, that they work in sync, not for the sake of what you call it, Um, uh, just that it goes smoothly, but for the sake of the uh, uplifting of 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 Christ and the proclamation of the gospel. Now, Pastor, we have about a minute and a half left here, and as we look at this whole chapter, how would if someone were to ask you about Nehemiah twelve, like, wow, today you did Nehemiah twelve? I don't want to listen to the hour, but how would you summarize it? What would you tell them? What we
1: have in Nehemiah chapter twelve is is a model for worship, a model that follows biblical teaching, biblical instruction, um, one that shows God's grace given through the way he intended it to be given for the benefit of his people, and that when they had the opportunity to reestablish worship, they didn't use that which was popular in the area because there were multiple religions, the Persian Empire was huge, but they used that which was according to God's word.
0: And may we do the same. Pastor Michael Morehouse of Catalina Lutheran Church in Tucson, Arizona, helping us put on our Christ goggles by God's strong word from Nehemiah chapter 12. Pastor Morehouse, it was a joy, and thank you for being our guest.
1: Thank you. It's been a joy to uh, work this class with you and, and hope we can do this more in the future.
0: Oh, we will do it once again. Saints of our Lord, God's people celebrated. They did it in order. It wasn't just a haphazard thing they put together, but they did it with thanksgiving, with singing, cymbals, harps, lyres, choirs, sacrifices, purification, and the joy of Jerusalem was heard far away. May the Lord keep us in order and keep us centered on him, for God's grace was upon them and his grace in Christ is upon us. We pray that he would help us to do this. As Paul says in Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. May that be heard here, but maybe even beyond our own walls, because the Lord has done it all for us. I'm your host, Brady and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.